your Bibles this morning, I would like you to turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 18. We'll be there for just a moment, um, but I want you to be ready. And I, and, and I, I want us, even before we go into the ministry of the Word, would you just join me in prayer one more time before the message so that God will prepare, further prepare our hearts. Lord, um, we've come now to this time in your Word. It is a time that we do not take lightly, and I ask that you will that you will reveal yourself to us, that you will, by your Holy Spirit, speak to us in, in unique ways and in powerful ways, that our hearts would be open to all that you desire to do in us in these moments. We thank you, Lord, for this time, and I thank you for the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So you're in Proverbs chapter 18. There is a great power in, in words. Right? Tremendous power in our words. The words that we speak or the words that we hear, the words that we increasingly write or type or the, the words that we, that we read, the words we give others, speak to or write to others, the words that we receive, the words that we hear, or the words that we read power in words. I was reminded of this briefly this last week. Uh, uh, my wife and I and some friends were down in Sioux Falls on Monday. We were looking for wedding dresses for my wife. Not, not, she's not getting married, but I'm not the white kind, but the mother kind. Uh, our daughter's getting married here in a few weeks, and, uh, and we were looking, and, and she's not finding anything, and I made the mistake. My words got me in trouble. I made the mistake. Uh, we're walking down the street, and I said, Joni, our son just got married four years ago. Why don't you wear the same dress that you wore then? And uh, I thought that was perfectly reasonable. It's a pragmatic thing to do. She looked lovely in it, and I think it would just be fine. But the look that she gave me, I realized those were the wrong words, right? <laughs> Power in words. I'm going to wear the same suit, man. I mean, come on, right? Uh, and actually, no, I have a different suit now. Well, there's, there's power in our words, right? The words that we speak or the words that we hear, the words that we write, the words that we read, there's power in words. Last month, I brought two different messages on, on, the, on our surrendered mind, how the Lord affects our thinkings. When we come to him, we give him everything, including our minds. And, and I shared from God's word how He speaks to us and how he changes our minds and how he heals our minds and how we have to be careful with what we allow into our minds. Talking about surrendered minds, how, how, how battles are won or lost in our minds. And in coming weeks, this morning and in coming weeks, we're going to see what God's word says about our surrendered words. Our surrendered words. The things that we say or the things that we hear, the things that we write or read. In Proverbs 18, you have it before you, verse 21 is going to be a theme verse for these messages, and it says this, Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. It says our tongue here. Or our words, right? That's what we form words with, is our tongue. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat 
its words, uh, uh, eat its fruit rather. It says our tongues or our words are powerful. Another translation puts it this way. What you say can mean life or death. Those who speak with care will be rewarded. So it's talking about our tongue or our words, the things that we that we say. Now, you may be sitting there this morning, you're saying, man, a couple of messages on the power of our words really do our words merit so much attention. Why give so much attention to the things that we say, hear, write, or read? Why do we give so much attention to it? And yet, think about this for a moment this morning. How many here today or how many listening to this message have painful memories from something that someone said. Now, don't shout it out and don't dwell on it too much, but I would dare say that almost every person here this morning who has lived for a period of time would say that, yes, some of the most painful things that I've ever that have ever happened to me came in the forms of words that somebody said to me or wrote to me. And let's be honest here. It's not just that we're the recipient of that. Don't raise your hands. But how many here have said to someone or written something to someone and our words injured them, brought pain to them? You know, sometimes we, oh, yeah, I remember when that happened to me. Well, I also remember when I said some things or wrote some things. You see, we're we're kind of all guilty in that regard at some point. Painful things. And yet words, it says here that they can bring death, but it says that our words can also bring life. You can also remember your mind is good. Your mind has been healed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can also remember when someone that you greatly respect, someone who had a deep influence on your life, said something to you, or wrote something to you, and you remember how powerful that was because it was at the right time. Maybe you were discouraged and someone you thought highly of said something to you and you knew that it was actually coming from God, but it came through a person and they said something or wrote something that was so powerful. And when you heard it, when you heard it, 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 it was like there was some life put back into you. I remember a few years ago, I was going through a particularly challenging time uh, because of some circumstances, and, and, and someone pulled me aside, and, and, and they said to me uh, some words of affirmation. They weren't flattery. They were truly, deeply uh, meaningful affirming words, and, and, and I remember thinking that's exactly what I needed to hear. Words can put life back into us. So our tongue, as it says here in Proverbs 18, our tongue or our words are, are very, very powerful. Now I'd like you to take your Bibles again, whether it's on paper or uh, electronic, I want you to turn to the book of James chapter 1. This morning we're going to look at James chapter 1. While you're turning there, James had a great deal to say uh, it says it, he wrote much, directed by the Holy Spirit. James wrote a great deal 
about the things that we say or, and the things that we do. And that's an interesting thing about the book of James. It talks about how our faith in Jesus is lived out in our words and in our actions. Perhaps one of the most practical books on how to live out our faith is the book of James, by often what we say and what we do. James chapter 1, look down to verse 19, it reads this way. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now that's just one statement, one verse, verse 19. There's a lot there, so let's break it out for just a a few moments. James, he's writing here, again, directed by the Holy Spirit. He writes these first few words in this verse. He says, my dear brothers and sisters. And I want you to see that because this was written to Christians. He's talking about fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. it's, It's within the context of people who had faith in Jesus. He's not talking to unbelievers, but to believers. He's essentially saying, you have come into the family of God. We're now brothers and sisters, and I'm talking to Christians, or I'm writing to Christians. And then he wrote these words. He said, take note of this. It's kind of, he was kind of like saying, hey, listen up. Listen up. This is important, right? You you ever done that? Take note of this, or hey, listen up to this, or hear hear what I'm about to tell you. And then he and then he wrote this word. He said, "Everyone," right? He starts the next line with the word, "everyone." Look in your Bibles, electronic or paper, and and does it say anyone in your Bible or some word like it? In fact, I looked at many many different translations in this and. And every Bible translation uses some all-inclusive word like every or all. It doesn't mean just a few. It doesn't mean for a select group. It means that there were no exceptions. He's writing to Christians, and he's saying, he's saying that there are no exceptions then, and there are no exceptions now. It, 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 he's essentially telling them that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and you have the ability to speak or write words, this is for you. So though this was written a very long time ago, it's God's word, it's, the, it's, it's powerful, it's anointed, and if it was for people then, it's for people now. So now I'm speaking to Christians. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and the blood of Jesus is upon you, and he's forgiven your sins, then this applies to you. This next statement, they apply to you. There are no exceptions. Nobody can leave this place today and say, you know, that really wasn't for me, because directed by the Spirit of God, James said, this is for you, listen up. And then he says this, everyone should be quick to listen. See that line? Everyone should be quick to listen. That's an interesting statement. You know, I, 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 there have been times, not too many, where people said, would you say that faster? But no one has ever said, hey, listen, would you listen faster? Right? It's kind of strange. You need to be quick to, what, is that what this means? Actually, it, it doesn't quite mean that because I don't know how you listen faster or slower. I don't know how you can actually do that. It actually means that in our interaction with other people, our listening is more important than our talking. 
Now think about that for a moment, because that's really not how we're wired. We think that expressing ourselves is paramount, but it's saying here that we need to be quick, fast, uh, willing, anticipating, listening more than even talking. How, how do we do that? How do we, how do we listen quick? <laughs> how, how, do we, how do we, in a conversation, in a dialogue with someone, or an interaction with someone, how do we, how do we set it up to where I'm listening more than I'm talking? If you've ever been in a conversation with someone and, and it kind of drags and, and, uh, um, and, and, and silence is a bit bothersome, and so just to fill the silence, you start just talking. Has anyone else ever been there? You're just like, okay, I can't stand the silence, so I'm just going to start talking. I've been there many, many times. And I've found something that the best way for me to listen to someone else, I learned this a long time ago, I'm still learning it, I'm still getting better at it, but is to ask questions. So in, in a conversation, I'm kind of giving myself away a little bit, but if I'm just now, if I'm just getting to know someone particularly, um, I, I tend to ask a lot of questions. Tell me about yourself, and, and, and I want to hear your story. You see, there, there are, the reason that I do that, or the reason that we can do that, is that there are pow, there's, there's a great deal of power in asking questions, asking questions. I've found that when we ask questions and then listen, it opens amazing doors. Let me say that again. I've found that when you ask questions and then you listen to other people, it really can open amazing doors and create a great deal of, uh, a great deal of opportunity uh, for relationship, uh, and ultimately, even more importantly, uh, them coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ. But it starts with questions. Uh, you've perhaps noticed this if you've read through the Bible, particularly the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, which are the story of Jesus, you'll find that Jesus, you'll find very quickly that Jesus asked a great deal of questions. I mean, he's frequently asking questions. In fact, somebody I didn't, but somebody went through and they found the number of times that Jesus asked questions, and it's, there, are, there are 300 different times in the Gospels and a little bit in the book of Acts where Jesus asked questions. He was always asking questions. To a woman at a well, Jesus asked, will you give me a drink? First interaction, he asked a question. Will you give me a drink? It was a request, but it was phrased as a question. Will you give me a drink? And that question began a conversation that changed her life and ultimately every other person in her village. Started with a question. Who knew? The power of questions. To a demon-possessed man, Jesus got off the boat in the area of Gerasene, and, and he gets off the boat, and a, and, and a demon-possessed man rushes up to him, falls at his feet, and Jesus asked the question, what is your name? Started with a question. <laughs> Jesus knew his name. Jesus knew everything. But that question began a, 
uh, was the first point in this man finding complete deliverance. Started with a question. To a disciple who said, Jesus, a multitude or the multitude around us is hungry, Jesus asked the question, how much food do you have? And that question, that very simple question that got the disciple thinking and others thinking, that question began a powerful miracle of provision. One more. To his closest followers, we call them disciples, but to his closest followers, Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And it made them think in ways that they never thought before. That simple, simple question. Now again, Jesus, he, he asked a lot of questions and Jesus was unique in that he knew every answer before he asked the question, right? He wasn't doing so to, uh, to gather information like, I don't know what this person's all about. I don't know what they're thinking, so I'm going to find out. That's not why he asked the question. That's why we ask questions, because we don't know. But Jesus asked those questions because he wanted to teach them. He wanted to test them. He wanted to reveal things to him. But he began the relationship. He began the dialogue with a simple question. I want you to try that. I want you, rather than just go ahead and start talking with someone, try it. Ask people questions and then listen to them. Listen to them. I was in a plane, had just boarded, had sat down. We hadn't even lifted off the, the ground yet. And I was seated next to a person, uh, someone whose, whose background and lifestyle was extremely different from mine. I kind of sensed that when I saw them, but in the next few moments, I, I realized just how different we were, our perspective. We began to converse. I, I have a, a set of, uh, uh, my wife calls them people blockers that I often put on, uh, because I don't like a lot of the noise on, on aircraft. And a friend of mine gave these to me some years ago. And I put them, I hadn't put them on yet. We started talking and, and I, I think we went almost the whole flight and I never got them on. We had a great conversation though. We had a, a great time and, and, and we began talking and I just simply began doing what I have often done and that is just asking questions. And I said, how did you come to this place? Not geographical, but her, this place in her life. Tell me, uh, when did you start feeling this way? Um, uh, what, what goes on in your mind when this happens? And I just began asking questions. Now, I, 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 I understood where she was. Very quickly, I learned where she was in life and the issues, some of the big issues that, that she had. And I know God's word well enough, I could have immediately gone to chapter and verse and start telling her where her choices were going to lead her. And I could tell her that, that ultimately this is what, and I eventually got there, but before I got there, I asked a lot of questions and I did a lot of listening. And what happened is, by the end of that, that trip, I did not lead her to faith in Christ, but she knew that there was someone seated beside her who was genuinely interested in where, he, where she was. I didn't agree. I could never agree with the choices that she made because they are against, and they're against the word. They're contrary to God's word. They're contrary to God's plan. 
I didn't agree with her by listening to her, but I built a relationship or I established, even for those few minutes, a relationship by which we could communicate the gospel and plant some seed without me just filling the, the room with a lot of noise. Again, listening to her didn't mean that I agreed with her. I just listened before I spoke. But listening takes time, doesn't it? Listening takes time. Parents, parents, those who are parents, whether they're small or they're all grown up, parents, I want you to shock your children by asking them, so what do you think? Instead of just saying, because from your worldview, you do know more. Guy, if you're, if you're a young person, listen, your parents do know more than you. They don't know everything, but they do know more than you because they've lived longer. They've seen things. They've seen things from different perspectives. But rather than just jumping and saying, let me tell you, just say, what do you think? Or tell me about this. Or, or ask a question. Shock your kids. Listen to them. Listen to them before saying, and you're, you're going to build a relationship. Husbands and wives, shock your spouse by asking them something and then listening to them before telling them something. Boy, so often as husbands and wives, and I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone, my wife is, is more guilty than no, most. No, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay for that, aren't I? It's totally intentional. I mean, we're quick to say things and just fill and say, let me tell you what I think, but there's power, and I can, I can say this honestly, there's power. My wife and I, we just talk and we listen to each other. We have a really good relationship. It's not perfect, but we have a really good relationship because we do talk, but we listen to each other. The husband and wife were sitting together, and the husband was across the room. He's reading something from a magazine. It's an article about how men's communication is different than women's. And, and, and he says, listen to this, honey. And, and he reads how, how women use about 30,000 words a day and men only 15,000 words a day. Half. Women, on, on average, 30,000. Men, 15,000. So he's kind of teasing her. Yeah, women, they talk so much. <coughs> the, the, the wife calmly looks at him and says, we say twice as much because we have to repeat everything. <laughs> so there you go, big boy. <laughs> and he looked up and he said, what did you say? <laughs> how many marriages, how many, let's be honest, how many marriages would be saved? How many marriages would be saved? How many marriages would become more life-giving if husbands and wives were quick to listen? And rather than just saying what I think, let's talk and I'm going, I'm going to listen. And I'm going to go so far. Let me give you some really practical things. I'm, I'm going to, and, and some of you, this is going to, this is going to hurt, but I'm going to say it. Uh, turn, off the, turn off the phone. I mean, turn it off and talk to each other. And, and don't be so quick to pull that up and go, let, let, I'm going to, just, just turn it off and listen to them. 
uh, take the TV out of the kitchen or the dining area, turn, take it out, not only turn it off, take it out so it's not even tempting, so that when you sit down for a meal, you start asking questions and dialoguing. You're going, whoa, easy now, big boy. <laughs> That's not how we do it. Well, you can keep doing the way. I'm just giving you, I'm just saying that there's power uh, in, in people, talk, husbands and wives and families talking together with, without all the other distractions. You're saying to the kids, tell me about your day. And, and before you know it, 45 minutes go by and you just had a lot of communication. James 1.19 again says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. So quick to listen, slow to speak. Slow to speak. doesn't say don't speak, right? Notice that. doesn't say quick to listen and don't speak. It just says slow to speak. In other words, just listen first. Uh, let's be more willing to hear than we are to say. For many of us, it's much harder to listen to someone than it is to speak to them. Because again, as I mentioned a moment ago, listening takes time. Listening takes time. We want to get to it. We want to get on with it. But listening takes time. It means we have to think. Do you know if I listen to someone, I have to listen to them and I have to process what they're saying and then respond. I personally think that some people don't like to listen because they think that they've got it all figured out. I don't want to hear what you have to say because I've already figured it all out. I'm just going to tell you. They're not quick to listen, but listening takes time. It, it, we have to think about what they're saying. We have to process it and then respond. We learn when we listen. Not so much when we speak. I don't remember the last time I learned a whole lot when I'm just talking. But I'm learning a great deal when I'm listening to someone. Uh, early in my ministry, my, really my first ministry assignments, uh, my first six years in, in full-time ministry were uh, from age 22 to 28 were, were uh, almost exclusively with uh, young adults. I was a youth pastor and then I worked uh, at a college. And, and so I, I spent a great deal of time, particularly with men, I spent a great deal of time with college-age men, my first six years of ministry. And, and with college-age men, there are about probably half a dozen subjects that often come up between persons between the age of 17 and 23, 24. Those subjects would be, um, what is God's call on my life or what is, what is his plan for my life? Um, uh, who, who, what, what is God's plan for marriage in my life? Uh, sexual purity, that was a big thing. Or, or restoration from sexual impurity, that was a big issue that we talked about. Finances, um, transitions, uh, we talked a, about a lot of those things. And, and, and often, so we, I, would, I would have these dialogues for really hours every day. And and uh, when, we would, when that person would begin speaking, I found early on when they would start speaking, I would just in my mind go, okay, this is this conversation, this is ish, this, this particular issue, so here's the five points that I want to make with them. And while they're talking, 
I'm in my mind just very, very quickly formulating my response. I wasn't so much listening as waiting for my turn to speak. I was just like, okay, here, I got it all. And I wasn't hearing some of the things, and, and that really got me into a lot of trouble, uh, interpersonal trouble, because uh, it wasn't good, because I came to a lot of false conclusions, because I was missing things, because there weren't always certain things that, that, that it's not always going to follow those certain patterns. I came to a lot of false conclusions because I thought that I had it all figured out. I thought that I had all of the answers. I, I was just waiting to speak because let me tell you what I think, because I've got the answers. I was just, I was just, letting them talk, but I really wasn't listening. There's a difference. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13 says this, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Isn't that an interesting verse? You ever noticed that before? Let me read it again. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. So it's not my opinion. It's God's word. And so often we just answer without thinking. We just answer without listening. We throw it out there. Again, James chapter 1, verse 19 doesn't say that we're not to speak. We're just not, we're not supposed to get there so quickly. Our words are powerful. The words that we use and the, the, the ways that we use them are powerful. There's an old saying that goes this way. Maybe you've heard it or some variation of it. It goes this way. You have two ears and one mouth. Use them proportionately. God gave us two ears, one mouth. But so often we're inclined to use, though we have twice as many receptacles to hear than we do one to speak, we use this one at least twice as much as we use these. So, quick to listen and slow to speak. James 1.19 again. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That's interesting that, that would, you'd bring that in. Because I understand the, the contrast between listening and speaking, he brings in this, this emotion, this anger issue. So it says, slow to become, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That means that there is somehow, there is a connection, and there usually is a connection between people's willingness to listen, how quickly they respond, and their level of anger. Now remember, as I said a few moments ago, this was written to Christians. This was written to Christians. And I've found that Christians, listen to me, I have found that Christians who are given to anger are usually quick to speak, and they're not so quick to listen. Now I want you to try that on for size, right? Don't think about someone else. Don't say, boy, I sure hope this other person in pew number four is getting this. No, think of it yourself. I want you to try this on for size. Is there a correlation? Is there a connection between your willingness to listen, your quickness to speak, and your quickness to anger? Ouch. That our 
our anger level is affected by our willingness, our quickness to listen, contrasted against our quickness to speak. There's a connection between our words and our anger. You're going to see that in coming weeks. There's a connection, folks. I'm telling you from God's word, I'm telling you ahead of time, we see it right here. There's a connection between our words and our anger. Have you noticed that there's a whole lot of words being said? I mean, everybody's talking. Everybody has an opinion and the level of anger. I'm not saying that we should, I'm not, I'm not saying everyone's right. No, there's some that are flat out definitely wrong. But I'm saying that there's a lot of anger because no one is willing to listen and process and think and their, their level of anger. You've heard this before. It's Proverbs. Proverbs says a lot about our words. Oh, my, they're just again and again. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1 says, a gentle answer, by the way, an answer is something that we, is a response. In other words, we've listened for, first. We answer what someone says. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You want to? You want to see? You ever see? You ever? I, I, I've seen people. I've seen people. It just escalates. I mean, they're, they're, If I can just say the right words, then the other person is going to go, "Oh, you're perfectly right." But it doesn't go that way. You just get angry. Use these words, and then these words, and then these words, and then these words. I've seen it. I saw it at Walmart a few weeks ago. <laughs> Aisle number seven, and these these two people were going at it. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. James chapter 1, back in James 1, verse 20, it says, Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I'm teaching a lot today, but I want you to focus in for just a moment on that word righteous. Righteous means doing what God says is right. We, 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 we misunderstand what righteous means. It means doing what God says is righteous, is right. That's righteousness or righteous. Self-righteous is uh, putting together what we think is right and, and, and everyone should measure by our standard. That's self-righteousness. Unrighteousness is, is defying what God says is right, but righteousness is doing what God says is right. Some months ago, I was speaking with someone on a particular subject and it quickly became apparent how strongly they felt about it because immediately, almost immediately upon introduction, when they found out who I was, they began saying, well, this is what I think. And I listened, and the longer they got into it, the more that they spoke about it, they became impassioned about it. They were already impassioned. It was just becoming apparent in our conversation. It really wasn't much of a conversation. It was just them talking to me, listening. And they said, this is what I think. And then they proceeded to tell me at length what they thought when they found out who I was. And I listened, and after quite some time, they said, what do you think? And I knew what they were trying to do. I knew they were trying to pull me into a heated argument. So that they having at length stated their case, then I would state my case. And I quite simply, I don't always get it right, but this time I got it right. 
I, 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 I quite simply said, well, it really doesn't matter what I think. What's important is what God says. See, there's a lot of people saying, this is what we should do. And then another person says, this is what we should do. Really, when it comes down to it, there's only one answer, and that is, what does God say about it? And if God says it, that is what we should do. Boy, we can... Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. God has a plan. God has a desire. He has a right way. We're called to do that, regardless of what I think. I mean, I can... My thinking can be can be muddled. We talked about that last month. My, my thinking can be skewed. I need, I need my mind to be constantly adjusted. But God has a plan. He has a plan for my words. He has a plan for your words. And this first message, and this has been my prayer leading up to this, as I've been preparing for this for actually some months now, these, these uh, series of messages, um, it, it, is, it is my prayer that in these, in these times together, while I'm talking and you're listening, but more than that, God is speaking to us by his Holy Spirit through his word, and we're listening. It is my prayer that God does a miraculous work in our words, that our surrendered words, that our mouth, it's not just that God saved my heart, my spirit, I'm going to go be with him forever, but he, he affects every part of me, including this thing that, that God created he gave us the ability to speak, but he also gave us the ability to listen or receive. And it's my prayer that God will do an amazing work in us. And I'd like to close this way. Would you all stand? If at all possible, I'd like you to stand. Come to a place of just a responsiveness. And uh, I want to pray for you this morning. Um, in just a few moments, we're gonna, we're gonna, there's going to be some music that will be playing. And these altars, are, as always, are, are going to be open. But here's, listen. Listen, there's an altar right where you're standing or seated right now. There's an altar right there. And I want you to, with me, because we all get it wrong, but God has a plan. I want us to pray and say, God, would you affect what I say? Would you affect what I hear? Would you, would you change me so that according to your word for everyone who's a follower of Jesus Christ, that we will be quick to listen. We will slow, be slow to speak, and we will be slow to, to become angry. It it's all works together. Would you, would you join me? And right where you are, let's pray for our words, that they will be surrendered to him. God has a plan for what we say and how we say it and the way in which we say it and the, and the ears that he's given us to listen. Let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you've done here today. I thank you for the ways in which you've prepared us by your Holy Spirit. Almost no person here this morning uh, or listening today knew what this message was going to hold. Didn't know that today we were going to be asked to do a review on what we say and how we say it and how quickly we listen or how quickly we speak or become angry. Lord, we did not know this going in, but you did. And I believe by your Holy Spirit, you're preparing us. So Lord, today... And in the days to come, will you do a holy work in our words? I pray for marriages, for friendships, for parents, for children. I pray, Lord, for these wonderful relationships that you've given us because we are together as, because we're followers of you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that, 
that in our words you would, you would be honored, that you would be honored, that we would not grieve your Holy Spirit by the things that we say. So we commit all of this to you. Lord, would you do a work in my mouth? Would you do a work in my mouth? Would you do a holy work in my ears? Lord, we pray that. Do a holy work in my ears. May I be quick to listen. May I be slow to speak, to just always express what I think. May I be slow to become angry. Lord, this goes for all of us. It goes for me. It goes for every person listening. We give it to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that that you called us. Thank you that you've given us your word that we can read and that we can listen to. I pray that we would receive you. I thank you for the, the ability that we have to interact with each other. I pray that you would be honored. Lord, I thank you for calling people to go to places we'll never go, but someday in heaven we're going to see people there because some went, some sent, and many prayed and gave. So Lord, use us. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the work that you're doing in us. Now, Lord, as we go from this place, may we go in your power and in your presence. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the presence and in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ.